Welcome to today's episode of Fire in the Belly. This is where we get to hear some pretty inspiring stories from some amazing people. You know, it's always an absolute pleasure to sit down, take time out and have a warts and all conversation about their journey. I'm always intrigued by what it's taken for people to get to where they are today. And hopefully in this interview, we get to hear some more about that. From this, my mission is to help people to find their own fire in their belly. And from that, to live the mightiest version of you. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's guest. Success is a process, not an event. Hello, and welcome to the Fire in the Belly Show. Today we have myself, Mighty Pete, and we're joined by the Jane Coffle. Good afternoon, or good morning to you, I should say. Yes, good afternoon, good morning. Depending on what part of the country we are, right? <laughs> or the world. <laughs> That's it. In the, in the, uh, was Robin Williams, good afternoon, good morning, good evening. So we'll, we'll cover all the bases. There you go. So, Jen, welcome to the show. So tell us, Jen, who are you? What do you do? And where are you from? I live in Chicago. I've got four incredible teenagers. And I teach people, entrepreneurs specifically, mission-driven entrepreneurs, how to speak their way to more business. And so I run an organization called Engaging Speakers. And we're in that process right now of putting chapters around the world. We started in Illinois, and we now have six chapters, um, three different states. And our, our, we have a goal of having over 2,000 chapters globally. I have a real heart for helping entrepreneurs learn how to use speaking as a marketing strategy to really connect and grow their business and attract their ideal clients and highlight their expertise in a classy way. Okay. That's so tell me, I mean, maybe an obvious question here, but why, why is speaking so important? Well, I mean, speaking is how we communicate with one another and how we share our message. And oftentimes what I've found for entrepreneurs, when they get the opportunity to speak, they, end up speaking about their process and what they do, but that's not what really connects with people. So we teach them how to speak from a place of passion and that it's really not their process, it's their principles. It's the thing that no matter what they do, they could have any type of business. Um, let's pick a service, whatever it is, let's say they're a branding expert, you know, what is it that they do measurably better than other branding experts that when they do it, they get this certain kind of result that's different. And so we explore and talk about what that is. And we find what I call their core genius, what they were created to do, but also what they studied and become an expert in. And then we create, there's a strategic design where we create a signature talk that really highlights that expertise. And it's really based on principles not on process, because when you focus on process, you get a lot of, thank you, Pete, that was great information. You don't get, oh my gosh, Pete, I need to connect with you. I need to have a conversation with you. I need to talk with you. And if anybody has seen you know, people speak in a live room and there's a table in the back and there's a line of people you know, standing there waiting to talk to the speaker, there's a design in the talk that creates that. It's inspiration, it's value, there's education, but there's, there's a format that many people have never learned. And so I think what comes naturally to an, to a, an entrepreneur that wants to speak is to just stand up and talk about what they do. And what really is effective is not what comes natural. So I love to share with entrepreneurs what is actually 
going to help them grow their business because that's what they want to do. You know, that's their, they want to be able to do more of what they are there, their expertise, but finding, you know, generating leads and making sales is, is really where a lot of entrepreneurs struggle. So if I can connect them to a way of marketing that they have control over, that they can share their passion and they can attract their ideal clients, it, it opens up a lot of doors for them. Why, why do we get stuck into the detail then? Why, you know, as you say, if people go straight into the process, is, mm-hmm. is that, well, what, what sort of causes people to do that? I think because they don't know what else to talk about. Like they've never been taught what a signature, signature talk design is. You know, they just think, okay, well, someone's asking me to come and talk about my business. So I guess I'll talk about what I do, you know, my five steps or my, you know, four this or my, you know, they, they do those types of things. And I think that's what they think that they're supposed to do because they want to give value. And so they're trying to take what they do when they're working with a client and just showcase that a little bit or talk about themselves or they think that if they do that, that's going to make people want to work with them. But it really just does, it doesn't work. It, it, what I find a lot of entrepreneurs do is that they think, well, speaking doesn't work because they're not getting leads because they're doing the information type thing and not in their process, not, not really principles or, or stories. Stories are a big thing that helps entrepreneurs to really communicate their expertise in a way that is classy, where they're not having to talk about themselves, but they're talking about their clients and the transformation that occurred. And there's inspiration there. And so when the audience hears that speaker speak and they talk about, and they, you know, things that like, I'll just give you an example of what a powerful principle, like the design. So I'll just, how about if I do it with you, Pete, a little bit, like, let's say you wanted to, um, you know, maybe let's say you were going to teach people. And I know, I don't think you do this, but you were going to have a business where you taught people how to develop these amazing podcasts where you got really amazing people to share an amazing story. And you had a system for that or something, you know, mm-hmm. you might, some, you might think that people are interested in podcasts, you come in and talk about your system and what you do. But I would say it would be different. Like I would have a conversation with you in terms of like, okay, let's talk about what the foundation of your talk would be. And I would ask you, so Pete, what is it that you do measurably different or better that if somebody chose to come on, you know, and be a guest on your podcast, what would they experience that's different than they were on somebody else's podcast? What would you say? I think we, we go places that others don't seem to bother about. (laughs) you know, go deeper, go further and, and really find out the root of the person's journey and their why. Okay, great. And what is the, when you look at, let's say interviews out there, podcasts out there, what is the big problem that you see? Overall, is there some big problem that you see that you feel like you have a solution to? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's genuinely listening. So rather than setting an agenda and each guest will comply, it's going the other way is letting the guests journey or their process or story make the agenda and being able to flex and and go with it so that you can embellish Mm -hmm. as opposed to the other way around. Perfect. And what is the big result? So let's say you were, you're selling your pro, like you you had a system and you're selling that to other people that had an interest and you were going to start to duplicate this 
fire in your belly and have lots of people in the world doing this, what you're doing. Cause it's time consuming, right? You spend a really good quality amount of time with people and there's only so much time in a day and you wanted to get this process out there and you wanted to see more people doing it. And that's what you really decided. Okay. I'm going to go down the pathway and I'm going to attract more people that want to, that are interested in the podcast, interested in hosting, but they don't have that format. They don't have that secret sauce figured out and you have all this system and everything's already figured out and you want to just develop this program. So the big result is that what do you think somebody that was interested in hosting a podcast, what big result have you seen has come out of your making this decision to host this podcast and meet all these people? Like what's the big result that would appeal to them? Like, I mean, it could be, you know, how you've been able to monetize it. Like, cause you remember, you're going to be trying to sell this to people that are interested in hosting their own podcast. What would yeah. be the big result that would appeal to them? I think it's, um, for me, it's actually triggering transformational change with people. Um, it is helping people clarify their whys or else leaving them with a thirst to actually drive their business forward. They are setting their business and their passion are aligned. Mm. That's what you help the guests do, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if we kind of go further out and think about the buyer, because really if we're going to create a talk, we're going to create a talk with the end in mind. Mm. So what do we actually want to have happen? And I know this isn't your, I'm just making something up sure. um, to try to show, showcase like the process of what we do mm -hmm. to get to these things. So that when somebody goes and delivers, they can actually deliver a signature talk that will attract their ideal clients and not be so information driven and getting like, thank you. That was great information, but more like, Oh my gosh, I need to talk to you. There's a process I'm trying to like sh show you that um, in the audience too, like that is done. And this is the steps that we take to get there. So let's say you were going to have a, you know, you're going to sell this program and help other people that are interested in podcasts, have a really successful podcast using your brand. Okay. And you're going to teach them all that. And they wanted to be able to, you know, generate X number of dollars and you could say that if you did this, you would, you would generate six figures in less than 12 months, you know, in, in doing your podcast system. So let's say that's a big result they wanted, but they wanted to do it with transformation. It wasn't just about making money. Mm -hmm. They really wanted to see lives change and transformation occur. So it's that, that combination of, <clears throat> you know, utilizing a powerful tool like podcast to meet incredible people, but to make money and, you know, create a transformational change for people, like really make an impact in the process of making that money. So we would come up with a title that would capture that big result because that's, what's going to attract those podcast people that are looking like wanting to start a podcast, but mm. not sure they mm. want to go through the effort of figuring out the whole system. So we're kind of going down this road, but it's, I think it's getting a little bit confusing because um, it's not, you know, you're not actually like the, the person wanting to do this, but I'll give you an example of a woman that, I worked with. So she was a psychotherapist and mm -hmm. she was out speaking. You know, she was speaking about everything. You know, people come and ask her to speak about suicide prevention. They ask her to speak about uh, depression. She'd come and talk about divorce, about grief. And she would create PowerPoints and she would go out and speak and then she would come back and her business wasn't growing. So we got together and I asked her the same question I was asking you like, what is it about you as a therapist that when you do it, you get measurably better results? Like, what is it that, you know, if they came to you and chose you, what, who would get those kind of results and tell me more about that? And she knew right away, like for her, it was helping women put an end to anxiety. 
Her name is Samantha. And she said, a lot of her colleagues say, all you can do is teach people to cope with anxiety, but you can't really put an end to it. And she Mm -hmm. said, I know that's not true. I, I put an end to it. And I said, well, imagine, I said, why don't we just create an entire caseload of clients that have anxiety, women that have anxiety that you can help put an end to it. And she like started to smile and she got a little like laughter and she kind of pushed the idea away and said, well, I mean, I can't really just focus on just one person, you know, in school, they teach us, we have to help everybody. I said, well, do you know how many people, this is your own business, how many people and how many women in the world have anxiety, that if that is your core genius, that's the thing that you do measurably better. Imagine the number of people that you can actually help and how many people would want to work with you and imagine how you would feel at the end of the day, if you were just doing your passion and really helping people. And she started to get really excited about it. She thought about it because she was working long hours and she was drained at the end of the day. But whenever she had clients with anxiety, like she was energized by that. And she really saw the transformation that she was helping these clients to have. So we started working together and I said, okay, let's create a signature talk that is going to attract women that have anxiety. And so then we went through and I asked her, so what's the big result that they want? They want to put an end to their anxiety. Okay. So that was, we, we linked a title dare to end anxiety. You know, that was one of her titles. And then, you know, what was the big problem that she saw? What was the big solution? Then we, I said, what are the principles? Like if, if nobody, if somebody didn't get to work with you ever and they heard you speak, and they really wanted to put an end to anxiety, what would be the three things they would have to know, believe, have, or do, or understand? Like, what would be the things that they would have to know, believe, have, or do? What are the principles, the secrets? If they ever really want to put an end to anxiety, what would those things be? And then she was really quick able to tell me, well, they would need to do this, 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 and this. And okay, so if they did that, then what are the problems if they, if they didn't do that? And then we, when you, so I don't recall, I mean, what exactly her points were, but she had three points, you know, that were those principles, like things that they would have to do. And so she would state, so the process is you state the point and then you say all the problems if they don't do it. And that's the rapport building time with the audience. So you say, this is what you would need to do to get that big result, put an end to anxiety. And then if you don't do that, here's all the problems you're going to experience. And then the audience is like, that is the deal client would be saying in their head, oh yeah, I have that problem. Oh yeah, she really understands me. Or they may be a blind spot that they didn't even think about. And then you talk about what that problem is and they they think, oh, I didn't even think of that. But yeah, I do have that problem. So all this like rapport building is happening in this process of like going through the design of the talk, the signature talk where you're really pulling out those problems. And then you share a story that proves it. So whatever that point is, you stare, you share, she shared a story that proves it. And then there was a reflection question. So there, there's this whole process and it's, it's a lot of details, but you know, she did it for the first time in front of a hundred women. She only had eight like spots in her calendar to be able to have sessions to, you know, have conversations, follow up conversations with people in the audience. She never experienced this before, but before she even got off the stage, there, there, all eight sessions, she had a table in the back and there was a line of people. She never experienced that before that were waiting to talk with her. And she got back to her table. All of the sessions that she had reserved on her calendar that were back on the table that she mentioned when she was up on stage were already taken. And there was 27 women that asked to be on a waiting list to talk with her. 
and she was making about $3,000 a month in her practice before this experience. Um, we started working together and she built her talk and she delivered it. And she has had a waiting list since then. And she's now making multiple six figures. And she had to develop an entire course called Dare to Anxiety because there's only one of her. She can work really long hours, but it's like that good tired versus the drained feeling. And that's, you know, I think a lot of like the correlation when you talk about fire in your belly, like what's your passion? If you can build a signature talk around that passion, that same thing, then that's what it really will be magnetic, will be very engaging, you know, will cause people when they hear you speak to recognize your passion and the alignment that you have and the genuineness. And, you know, people do business with who they know, like, and trust. We've all heard that a thousand times. At least I have heard that a thousand times in my work. And it's true. So if you can share from that genuine place in a passionate way and give good value and share incredible stories that highlight the truth of what you're sharing, but also highlight your expertise in a classy way, a subtle way, all of that, you know, magic together creates this really incredible experience. And, and that's, what's missing for most entrepreneurs. Most entrepreneurs are really struggling with generating leads and making sales and feeling in control of that and speaking. I have, I've built five businesses of six figures in less than 12 months, all in different industries. And every one of them, I've done that with speaking. And so as I watched that in my own life happen, I became passionate about sharing that with other entrepreneurs because there's so many people out there in the world that have this incredible gift and, and huge expertise, but they, they, they don't know how to do the entrepreneurial side of, you know, what's required for business. They're great at what they do, their core business, but the entrepreneurial part, like, how do I take this and, and do this on my own is where there's a huge struggle because it comes down to, you know, generating leads and making sales and creating that message and that brand. And they don't know how to do that well because that's not their expertise. So teaching them that and watching their lives transform is super rewarding. I was, I was going to say, I mean, to, to watch or to hear about that, you know, that lady and, and having that, that shift and having a full calendar and a, and a massive waiting list. I mean, that's game changing for her, right? I mean, how does it feel for you to be, have been part of that process? It's amazing. I get you know tons of texts and you know tears and you know as she was going down the journey, she had you know gotten married and um, she was able to buy a house that you know her dream house. She sent pictures of her dream house. I get thank you messages often, and it's neat to watch. It's that's my passion. I I'll watch things like The Voice or America's Got Talent or shows where people get to live their dreams. They get discovered. They get to live their dream. They they have this incredible expertise and gift, and then they get they get discovered. They get to do it in a big way, and it makes me cry. <laughs> I whenever I watch those shows and just watching people live their dreams, it it brings like tears of joy to my eyes. I'm emotionally moved by that. And so when I do that with my clients as entrepreneurs, it, it does bring tears to my eyes because I feel that I get to use my gift to help them to give their gifts to the world. I mean, that this, this gift, I mean, do you think, is this your, is this your purpose? Is this your, is this your calling in life? Do you think? I, I don't, you know, I think it's one of the things that I'm, I'm to do. And I, I find a lot of joy in it. And, you know, it, it's something I would do for free, you know, so whenever I think you can find something you would do for free, 
it's definitely linked to it. I'm one of those creators where I, I have so many ideas. I love to develop business. And so for me, I think it is a good lane for me to be in because I don't have to, I have a lot of businesses. And so I have to start, stop myself from creating more businesses and working with other clients that have businesses helps me to like have that outlet to help them develop their businesses. And I don't have to run it or, or, you know, take it on um, entirely. And I get to be more of a guide and, and helping them and coaching them through how do they, you know, develop a successful business. But I have a lot of other, um, I, have, I was on this TV show recently called uh, Four Days to Save the World. It's going to be coming out. And it was a very interesting concept. They had all these different social issues like suicide prevention, racism, cyberbullying, reinventing education, which that was the, the team I was on. So they recru- recruited 10 entrepreneurs, really incredible heart-centered entrepreneurs for each one of these social causes, global social causes. And they got us together for four days and they videotaped it and recorded and um, created a show out of it. And they got us all together to mastermind for four days. So we masterminded and created a, a solution to these big global issues. And it was incredible, the solutions that these teams came up with. I mean, world-changing solutions. And I'm super passionate about reinventing education. Like that is one thing that, you know, isn't really technically totally aligned with, you know, what I'm doing in my, my business world in terms of helping entrepreneurs grow their business and learning about speaking and helping them develop their signature talks. But I believe that if we did reinvent education around the world, I think that the world would, would change. I think that things that I believe that the education system is extremely broken and it teaches conformity and it takes the imagination actually out of children and children are graduating high school and they don't have life skills. They don't have the understanding of how their mind works, how creation works, how the subconscious mind works, the, you know, their conscious mind. I would, I think back to being in student. And, you know, I probably learned most of everything I use today by fourth grade, to be honest, from school, you know, reading, writing, arithmetic, spelling, you know, basics. And then in high school, I think the two things I use are, I had driver's class, how to drive a car. And I had a typewriter class. I'm 50. So I had a typewriter class and I um, learned how to use the keyboard well. And so I'll, I'll use that when I'm, you know, working, but I think of all the hours, all the years spent in school. And I, I think that those years could be used entirely differently for kids today. And so I do have a big passion for that and a desire to see that change. I don't personally believe that I'm to actually be the person teaching the kids, the actual content, the things that I think need to be changed. But I, I do feel that I'm like a calling to be part of it in some way. Like my idea around that is I would love to fly around the world and capture the stories of children and young um, teenagers and young adults that have learned 
the power of their subconscious mind, learned how to project manage life skills, things that uh, are not being taught in the schools and find children that are learning that like maybe had parents that taught them or they got into some alternative program and capture the stories of what kind of things these children are doing and what transformation and what impact they're having. Because I think those stories, like I was talking about earlier with even an entrepreneur speaking, the stories are what will inspire the masses to say, Hmm, you know, maybe we do need to like explore and look into like what, what these kids are being taught and what they're learning and, and, and start to showcase that to create a demand. And I think with, cause it's going to, that's a huge task to change the whole education system, but I think it's desperately needed. I don't think I really started learning until I was in my thirties. I think that when I was my early thirties is when I really began to learn, you know, the power that we each have to create how our subconscious mind really rules everything that's in our lives and what we're doing and how to change that. And, you know, there's just, I think about for kids, like even when they have emotional challenges, like bullying or things of that sort, equipping these kids with these tools of really understanding their higher, their higher faculties of learning and the power of their subconscious mind and how to change things and experiences they're having through their thoughts and words and imagination. If we really were to teach that, I think we would change the world because then these, these kids would be equipped with the skills to take on a lot of these big issues that we have. So I'm really passionate about that. And I would like to find other entrepreneurs that are passionate about that. And I would like to find, I would like to also, you know, fly around the world, find all these kids that are doing these amazing things. I've heard some incredible stories and capture those stories, but then also find the others in the world that are creating programs. I mean, there's a lot of people that have created already alternative programs for kids or, or, or education programs actually will replace their current education or just supplement the current education. I'd like to find who's doing that around the world and find those programs and vet them and create. In the States, we had this thing called Angie's List. I think it's still in play, but it's like a vetted place of, you know, service providers that you could go into and find, you know, good service providers because they made the Angie's list. I kind of want to create that same idea for all these different education programs, these alternative things that have been created. And and because parents, like we're if you if you recognize that in your kids and you think, okay, I want to find something else, where do you go? You know, if you're if you're looking for brick and mortar, if you're looking for virtual, I'd like to create a, like a, a directory of places that have been vetted. And I'm not sure exactly what that vetting process is yet, but I have a big passion for that to, to create that because as a parent, I really wish I have had that for my four teenagers and, and then find entrepreneurs that will sponsor those programs. So once we find the, the, all of those programs that are out there, other entrepreneurs that feel like I do, and then have an entrepreneur, like kind of like they do with kids, you know, sponsor a child a month, you know, for I, I do that. I have a couple of children I sponsor. So as an entrepreneur, like I would like to support and sponsor entrepreneurs that are out there, people that are out there that are delivering these programs that are dedicating their lives, that are creating all this great content in a way that kids would understand and learn. And they just need money to expand that, to grow. And so I would love to be able to like create a vehicle 
that would allow them to do that, like to sponsor, to bring money to those programs. So that's my vision is a bunch of stories that showcase that and create the desire. Then a list of places that are out there that I found that are seem like good quality and then having a way for entrepreneurs to like give and sponsor that. So like a marketplace around this whole idea. You know, it's something that like kind of like cryptocurrency. It's, you know, let's go away from the, the traditional way of, you know, finance and how we're in like, let's create something by the people that, and then there's this whole platform around that globally. And I'd like to do that same thing for education. Like those of us that are like, you know what, what we're doing right now is not working. You know, it's not working and there's a better way. There's got to be a better way. So, and then just getting people together to support that and create that because it's, it's a huge, that's a huge task, but I really feel it's desperately needed. I'm kind of hearing a commonality there. I mean, you know, saying entrepreneurs that have a passion, have a dream, have a drive, have a, you know, it's getting their message across. Because if you don't get your message across, then the problem is, you know, you can't make money or you can't expand, you can't grow. It's the same with the kids, right? You know, if you can't tap into the kids and, and let them, you know, power up the subconscious mind, as you say, let them be passionate, let them be kids, but um, extrovert kids, you know, not as in you know, sort of boisterous or outgoing, but simply being themselves, right? Is, is there a commonality, do you think, between the two? Yeah, I think it's getting to, you know, the core, you know, the core. What were they created to do? What do they want to become? I mean, for them, you know, as entrepreneurs, we kind of look out, you know, what has been their life leading up to that point and, you know, who do they become? And, and oftentimes, like, what they're doing is tied to, a lot of negative experiences they've had in their lives kind of pushes them to like, do what they're doing oftentimes, right? They become passionate about helping people in ways that they've gone through things and have come on the other side of. But for kids, you know, what is it that, I mean, just taking a fresh child, you know, what is, what were they created to do? Like helping them to discover that and then giving them a pathway, in a, you know, actually teaching them, how do you really get to what you really want to do? Like the first step is we have to discover what do we really want to do. And I, I tell you, for me, I'm in that process right now, you know, 50 years old, um, just like that stage, stage in life where I've had so much, you know, so many different businesses, so much different success. And then the question begs like, okay, what do you really want to do? And, you know, for me, it's like, Sometimes I, I come up against that. And I, my, these, all these things that I love to do, and I'm great at. And do I just keep doing that? Or is there something more, you know? And then I think, what do I really want to do? And then I think of something, I'm like, is that what I really want to do? Because it comes back to like these, what the more I learn about just all of what I'm sharing with you, is there's continually layers of limiting beliefs. And I keep, asking God, like, help me to not limit, like only be limited in what you limit me in, because I believe we each have a, a you know, something we're created to do. I don't want to limit myself, but because of limited thoughts or limited thinking, I really do want to explore and discover the mysteries of, you know, of God and of myself and what I'm, what I've been created to do. But I, I've spent a year 
intentionally this year, really asking myself, what do you really want? And then I'll think I got it. This is what I really want. And then I'm like, I don't know if that's like what I really, really, really want. You know, is that still like limiting myself? And, and this is something that has taken a lot of deep programming because, you know, as because of how I was raised and what, you know, my experiences have been, I have a whole, you know, half a century of <laughs> stuff piled up, you know, that I'm like trying to let go of and release. But I think about children and how if we started at that young age, you know, and taught them they could have anything, they could create anything. I mean, you hear that, but it's really true. And if we really install that and, and, indoctrinate our kids with those truths instead of just, you know, what we're doing right now. And, you know, globally, I, I think that it would be, I, mean, I think the world would be incredible. Have you ever been truly yourself? To, to the degree that I, I know myself. And I think that's part of like the, the journey is like, who, am I really, you know, and I'm super, like, I believe I'm super authentic and transparent, but there's all these layers too, that I'm discovering about myself, you know, even at the age I'm at, it's, I believe I have been truly myself, but then how well do I really know myself? You know, like if you start to get really deep, like I'm comfortable I'm, I would say this, I'm really comfortable being myself in terms of ex, like sharing myself and being open with others about myself. But your question is an interesting question. It's like, what perspective do you look at that from? You know, I'm, I'm eager to really understand like, who am I really? So that I could be even more so that way. Hmm. But have I got there yet? You know, do I... Do I really know me that well yet? You know, I don't know. It's a good question. Do you have any concept of what you're capable of? Yes, in the sense of, like, I really truly believe that all we need, we really, we already have within us. Like, I believe that God lives in me, God lives in you, that we have divine abilities. And if, and so I do, I do believe that. And so, what, so then if that's the belief and the, then the, to carry that forward, anything is possible. You know, what you could do is just about anything. It's just really having the, this is what I'm talking about. Like, even in terms of like bringing this to children is that truth, you know, what are you capable of? I mean, you tell that people, I remember hearing that, but not really ever being taught like, okay, that seems like, that sounds great, but what, how do, how does that even, you know, how do you truly, you know, do anything that, and it's linked to desire and to faith. And I say faith, like, you know, it's belief. If you believe you can, you can. That's all of that, right? But it's like, what are what do you desire? And really tapping into what you desire, what you want. And that comes from, I mean, I think it depends on, you know, 
I mean, this we can get real deep into all of this, but there is these laws that work for whether you believe on it or not, like say the law of gravity. Whether you believe the law of gravity works or it doesn't work, guess what? <laughs> it works, you know? So there's these laws that work. And if we work them and we teach them to children and we are adults and we use them, they work. The laws that God created, that laws of the universe that, you know, they're going to work for whether you believe them or you don't believe them. And everything we need, we already have, like everything that we need for whatever we're to do in this world is within us. It's not outside of us. Like, I think we're, I was conditioned. I don't know about everybody, but I was conditioned as a child to believe that even faith, even God was outside of me. Um, I was conditioned to believe that things I needed, I would find outside of me. But the truth is, if we really tapped in to what's within us, it's all there. But we need someone kind of guiding. I have found, I've needed somebody to guide me into the inner me, you know, the 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 divinity, the creation of who I am, all of that, like that guide to like show it's really living from the inside out. And, you know, even what we talked about at the very beginning about speaking, you know, and, and the entrepreneurs like getting into the inside of you and really what's there and like letting that emote out. That's what's attractive. That's what's, you know, sound on the outside and learning something and then just, you know, spitting it out, like kind of what they teach us in school, learn this, memorize that. Keep it in your brain for a certain amount of time, spit it out. I mean, that's not, that's just like, there's four, I, I believe that there's four parts of us. There's our intellect self, our emotional self, our physical self, and our spirit. There's this quadr- quadrinity. And there's all those pieces of us. And I, I have spent a lot of my life you know, living in my head. Um, so I've, I've spent a lot of my life focused on my intellect self, especially as an adult, I would say as my, like in my thirties, this is where I started to like focus a lot of energy on developing my intellect self, like using my mind and my thoughts and to create what I desired. And then also my spirit self, but I really ignored a lot of like the physical self, like my body, that your body sends you lots of messages, but it's easy to ignore your body. Well, for me, it's been easy to ignore my body. I think we all have different experiences. Some people it's really focused on their body and they're super in touch with their body and their body, you know, they can get a lot of messages physically from their body, but I ignored that a lot. And I had a lot of abuse growing up. And so I lived breathing just like from my neck up. And then a few years ago, I learned about like deep breathing, like, and how powerful breath is to connecting to within us. And I mean, then breath is, is everything. There's so many things that are connected to breath. And so just taking deep breaths, like I would have to remind myself all the time. I was never breathing. I was breathing from here up all the time. So then learning how to take deep breaths. And, and then some, when I started doing that, it took me eight months because my diaphragm has, was never, it was like atrophied from a lifetime of not breathing deeply. And then starting to connect with that and taking deep breaths and tears would just come up. And I, they were not connected to anything. I didn't recognize what they were, why was I tearing up when I would take deep breaths, but there was a lot of emotion, you know, from the things I experienced in my past that that breath like helped to bring out. 
And so that led to like dealing with the emotional, like the little girl inside of me, like the emotional self and really recognizing the, the needs that were there. And so now it's been a process of, for me, my journey, you know, connecting more now with my physical self and my body and, and, you know, just having that connection and listening to my body and then also listening to that emotional self. Like, what does that emotional self need? So I think these are things that would be extremely powerful to teach children, you know, to teach them about these parts of us, you know, alongside of like what we were talking about earlier, the laws of the universe. And I I just feel like there's so much richness that I'm learning and, you know, started at my thirties and now just like even expanding more now in my fifties that we could be intentional about bringing that to our children at a younger age and teaching them the things because they spend so many hours in school, so many, so many years of their life. I just imagine what it would be like to have a whole society that are, you know, have those things that those truths being taught. Do you remember a time when you were a child that you were able to just be yourself without any outside influence, without any environmental pressures, let's say? You know, my, my abuse started at a really young age at four. And so, you know, very few memories before the age of four, you know? Mm. So unfortunately I don't have a lot um, to reflect on. What's your earliest conscious memory? Maybe three. And I wonder sometimes too, if it's like triggered from photos, you know, like seeing photos of, you know, myself Mm. with like my dad reading Curious George book, you know, this big red velvet chair, you know, seventies. I don't know. Like I remember, I, I kind of remember that, but most, you know, then the other memories I have are, are really, um, you know, just negative, you know, abusive memories. So not from my dad, you know, but, um, my mom remarried and married somebody that was very abusive. So like those were, that was my entire childhood of, you know, there was a lot there, but I think that even, you know, I I reflect on that now. And I think there's so much that there's so much good that has come from that, even though those were really difficult experiences. I, I mean, I think there's a lot of good that's come as well. I've been able to turn a lot of the things that occurred after all these years of working on it mm. and being able to look, reflect back on it and find the good in it. If that's, that's probably a better way to say it because I've been very intentional about like healing and working through, through all that. Spent a lot of, a lot of time. There's a really great, um, that I recently discovered, um, actually we were talking, um, before the show started about chicken soup for the soul and Jack Hanfield and um, I'm in a, a private mastermind and they recommended some called Hoffman process. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's like 50 years old. Um, ben and, Pro, and in, with COVID, they came up with a like Hoffman's essentials, which is like a little virtual, like two day thing. And it was um, a lot of the people that were on there actually heard about it from a podcast, <laughs> but it was 
fantastic. And they taught on their about like they actually taught like about in, in depth about these four different parts of you and they did a lot of centering experiences to teach you how to center and like listen to these different parts of your body and they taught you how to like um, release acknowledge and um, express and release emotion um, so it was super helpful for me somebody that you know had never been really taught how to care for my emotional self you know or you know, also like the physical body, um, like how it sends messages like those, it, it was very helpful. So if anybody is, you know, like me in that respect, like that's not something you've really learned a lot about, or you feel that need for that was a really great program. Do you think, will you be able to, to reconnect them with that three-year-old? I mean, is that, do you see yourself getting back in line with that or is it already happening? Yeah, actually the Hoffman process helped to do that too. Like it really, they do these um, exercises like, you know, where you, they do like a, you know, a guided process to help you to connect with your emotional self and heal the, you know, whatever those needs are that are there from your childhood. It's super powerful. And it was many people that were like, it's a zoom. There's like 20 people I'd say on there, but they do a really great job of creating a very safe space. and. Um, you know, creating community and connection. And a lot, many of them commented on that, you know, like me, that they were able to, they knew about this, you know, emotional self, this little boy, little girl inside, but didn't ever really know how to reach them. We're in like loud talk therapy things for many years and never quite got there, but this process helped them to connect and heal. And it's, it was very, um, very powerful, very transformative Actually, that's one of the things that they teach is the transformation cycle. Like how does transformation actually happen? And um, it's a process of awareness and then, you know, also um, expression, like through self-compassion and and self-forgiveness and then um, rewiring your brain. Like because you've created all these like neural pathways to respond a certain way. So then it's like like a reparenting for the little girl. But then, you know, there's all these different layers of that. So it was very good. Uh, I'm interested. I mean, you mentioned there about, you know, this sort of, this change at 30, this sort of, you know, sort of come to Jesus almost moment, you know, this wake up. I mean, was there something triggered that or what, what sort of mindset wise happened for you? Yeah, I was, um, it was my second business that I started. And um, so my first business, I, I had a degree in occupational therapy. So I taught people with disabilities how to drive and start my own private practice. and. Um, I had at that time had tried six years to have kids while I was building that business. So it was kind of my baby because I didn't have any children. And so I spent a lot of time and energy and effort on it and I enjoyed it a lot, but it was dangerous, you know, to do that. So once I finally had kids, I decided to sell it and thought that what I sold it for would be enough money to get through the time when I only thought I was going to have my one baby. We adopted a little girl and I thought that was going to be our only one. And then we, five months later, had the opportunity to do IVF and I got pregnant with twins. And then, um, and there was a two-year-old we had the, you know, my oldest was two and the twins were one and I got pregnant by surprise, which was, you know, God's funny way of saying, okay, you know, you prayed all these years to have all these kids. Well, I'm going to, you know, you're going to be a twin mom, adoptive mom, singleton mom. You're going to have a C-section natural. I mean, I had every experience as a mom you can imagine. It was, it was amazing. 
but uh, kids are expensive. Adoption is expensive. IVF is expensive. And so I went through the money a lot faster than we had thought. So here we were with all these little ones and we were broke. And so we were thousand dollars short on our bills every month. And I had no idea how we were going to, we had accrued at this point about $10,000 on our credit cards and it was really challenging. So I was in a position where, you know, my husband was working as a therapist as well. And there was no bonuses or things like that to, you know, kind of make up the difference. So if I didn't go and get another job or do something and build a business, we were going to continue to like snowball. And that wasn't the vision I had for being a parent. I didn't want to, you know, I wanted to only say no based on principle, not based on money. That was something really important to me. So I started a second business and it was a network marketing business. And I had never heard of network marketing. And in network marketing, it's probably the best business you can get into for personal development because, you know, they're really all about teaching that. And so the company I was with, like, you know, I started getting um, kind of opened up to that world. And I found somebody like locally that I, that I met that had a program with Bob Proctor and it was um, several programs. Like you were born rich um, the laws, there was one about all the laws of the universe, goal achiever, winner's image. Like, so I have all these programs I bought, um, the CDs and, you know, these vintage, you know, cases. <laughs> um, and I started listening to it and I was like, Phoosh. I mean, I was, you know, absolutely like, this is truth. And it made a lot of sense. And I started to implement and I built the largest business in the company um in my state and won their presence club over and over and over and over again. I mean I, I here's little mom with four little kids, you know, just I mean it was it was definitely because of the content. It was definitely because I was learning, understanding like, you know, how to have a vision and and, and you know the power of imagination it's not about positive thinking it's about like really getting alignment with like what do you want like feeling you know emotionally feeling like that in your it's like then it translates into your body and your will and, you know that everything is released and, and things start to actually happen so what you talked about earlier like what do you really want that's like the, the key to actually having anything you know so I knew what I wanted like when it came to that situation with my kids I you know I knew what I wanted to make I knew what I wanted to do and I just started to implement the the content and all that I was learning and it was happening you know very I like the way you, you say just you know I just implemented just at that that information is available to anyone and everyone, you know, in different shapes and forms. Right. But yeah. how many people just do it? How many people just take it on, learn, right? It's Good. simple. It's not, I think it's a good point you're making. It's simple. It's not necessarily easy to, mm. because it's different, right? It's, it's, it's change. I mean, it's, there's a point where it's, it is easy even, but I think we, that we have a lot of resistance that, or I had a lot of resistance and I've had a lot of resistance at different times, but it's kind of interesting. It's like, I used to say to, in that business, even ignorance on fire is better than knowledge on ice. And so as I was learning all of it, 
it was like ignorance on fire. You know, I didn't question. I was like, oh my gosh, this is what, you know, and it was like, it all worked. Right. And then the more time I'm spent on it, then it you know can become like knowledge on ice because you can get like where you're not like faith is not an intellectual thing. You know, it's, it's your belief. And, and so sometimes like if you intellectualize it too much, you can like squash it. Like the knowledge on, you know, and a lot of it has to do with like, yeah. So you bring up an interesting point. Uh, there's layers to that. So, um, yeah, I think that it's simple. It is easy. I have complicated it. <laughs> I've experienced both, both it being easy and then seeing it and then, then kind of going back and then making it more complicated, if that makes sense. You know, just instead of just keeping it on the simple and easy and just recognizing nothing's changed. It's just like, now you set a new goal and you set a new, you know, but sometimes I've noticed I can slow myself down having learned more and analyze, you know, and just getting too much more into the weeds when it really is as simple as what do you want? Visualizing it, imagining it, getting in line with how that feels, having faith and believing that you're, it's, you're, it's what you're going to experience. Um, you know, vision boards and all of that are great. It's helping to like kind of trigger that imagination, but a lot of people think it's positive thinking. It's really not positive thinking. It's really imagination. It's really like imagining, visualizing, imagination, feeling it, having already been accomplished. That's like, and then holding that and holding that and holding that until like you really believe it. It's done. It just hasn't came to like your the present time, but it's done. Are you pain driven or pleasure driven? Mm, that's a good question. I probably would say pleasure driven. I think that, I think for sure, yeah, I would say the, the, all the pain I've had in the past, like I'm really done with that. <laughs> and so it's really definitely, um, mm. I focus a lot on, on, on joy and love and, and pleasure. That's what I'm motivated by. Hmm. That'd be your, what would be your core values? Um, first is God, second family, third is freedom. Like I, I really hugely value freedom and generosity is four and number five is personal development. Only one of those is about you. Mm. Why do you think that? Well, God is, well, depending on, on your views, of course, mm -hmm. um, God is outside of us. Well, that's what I was talking about earlier. Actually, mm. I don't believe that. I really believe that God is within me. Hmm. I mean, I believe that uh, there's a creator, you know, God that created the world, but there is a piece of that God that created the world hmm. that lives inside of me, that is me. That is, I, 
I have access to, and that's within me. And that is me. Like there's a lot of scripture. I and the father are one. Like he lives in me. There's the spirit Mm -hmm. of God that came, you know, depending on what your, your beliefs are, but I do believe. And so for me, that's definitely like, God is definitely about me. And I mean, it's like, kind of like family, right? Like my children are, when you say like, that's not about me. I think my kids are very much a part of me. Hmm. And then, you know, freedom, it's what drives me to do the things I do is to have the freedom of choice, my choice. And then generosity is definitely something that brings me joy. Like being able to give and generously in a way that, you know, moves people and softens their heart and makes them wonder where the, you know, where did that come from? And kind of opens up really intimate conversation. And then personal development is obviously about me, but I see that as like, you know, learning and growing and becoming, you know, more and more. So I really feel they're all really about me. Yeah, it's strong. They're strong. I'm curious, you're saying when you were, you know, four kids, you know, and, and planned part surprise, very surprised, you know, and that your ability to just, you know, ask, believe, do, receive, you know, that simplicity there, you know, backs to the wall. So the mama bear's got to provide. Do you think that was a, a sort of a, almost a clarity point that just said, listen, this has to work. Yeah. I was in a place where it, you know, I had four children, three and younger, and we were struggling financially and I didn't want to go back. I mean, I looked at it logically, you know, if I go back and work at a job and pay somebody else to daycare, how many, how much is that going to cost? And a therapist only make, you know, generally a certain amount of money in a job. I mean, it wasn't worth the sacrifice. So for me, it was, I had to make another business work. And I just, you know, ended up starting that particular business network marketing. I treated it like a traditional business. And in that in combination with what I was learning about, you know, personal development wise and all the Bob Proctor, you know, and Jack Canfield success principles, that was another huge huge book that helped me, but learning how to build that business and seeing, you know, for me, it was also looking at the the success of others and that business model, Mm -hmm. recognizing it, you know, they could do it. I could do it. I just need to understand how to do it. So yeah, it was definitely, you know, (laughs) ready, fire, aim, it was kind of like ignorance on fire, just going after it. And, you know, yeah, I mean, the kids were a huge catalyst for that, for sure. You know, but that's, again, part of the, what I, you know, when I was saying, I look back on the pain, like those six years of infertility were really hard, you know, hard spiritually, hard physically, hard emotionally, you know, it was hard. 
but looking back on it, I look at like the sweetness of God that I got to experience being a mom in all those different ways. And if I did get pregnant, I would have never got Maddie. I would have never agreed to an adoption. Um, I wasn't looking for an, you know, like that whole story of how I got her was just a God thing. And I, I look back at it in reflection now and think I was meant to be her mom and all that happened happened because I was meant to be her mom and she wasn't born yet. And so I had to go through what I went through to have the experience of being her mom. And all of that led up to like everything that occurred and then the situation I found myself in. And then that, you know, led to building that network marketing business, which led to me discovering all these other things that I've been sharing with you today, you know? So I think that the things that I have experienced in my life that were negative, that were hurtful or painful or, you know, from just those types of things to the abuse, all that to put together, there has been a lot of good that's come out of it. Mm. It's kind of gotten me on the path that I'm at today because of those things that have occurred. Are you where you're supposed to be today, do you think? I believe so. I mean, it's just a good, yeah, I definitely believe that. I do believe that I'm where I'm supposed to be. I may be redoing lessons <laughs> that I could have learned faster. Like when things keep showing up, it's like, hmm, well, that's a lesson I need to learn and not have to repeat again. Because, you know, I think a lot of things in our life that we are workshops, you know, to kind of learn more about to grow, you know, to continue mm-hmm. to grow. Uh, I'm I'm curious about your, you know, your sort of, you talk a lot about God and things. I mean, would you, would you put yourself in a spiritual box or religious box or, or not that you have to put yourself in a box, but where do you normally sit? Definitely spiritual. I mean, I mm. was, I had my first, um, my relationship with God began at 17 years old and uh, it was in the Christian faith. And I would still say that you know, I practice Christianity, but not a religion of it. It's definitely um, way bigger than the religion of it. I think there's a lot of things that are taught in that that are keeping people trapped and not necessarily in truth. And, And for me, I guess I, I felt trapped in um, some ways, but I do definitely say that it's a relationship. It's, it's, I think that would be kind of maybe how I would classify if you put it in a box. It's more of a relationship with God than it is about any specific religion or, you know, or line of um, you know, beliefs, so to speak. It's, it's the synchronicity of this conversation. I just happened to hear a clip from a gentleman called Professor Brian Cox, and you may or may not know who he is, but he's a phys- physicist. Um, God knows how many other titles he has, but they were describing how... Um, somebody asked, you know, where did it all begin? 
And, you know, it's like as if, assuming that the, the universe started in a place and, you know, again, I'm, I don't want to sort of cross into beliefs and all the rest, but the principle was you're saying, well, it all began everywhere. You kind of go, well, how can it all begin? You know, they're, they're sort of almost seeking to pinpoint. And I think it ties in quite nicely with what you're saying and that almost that, you know, if you were to take a ball and, and explode it, well, everything is the ball. Yeah. Well, everything is God, as you say, yes. if, if that's your thought process. So, you know, it's um, for that, I find fascinating, you know. And the second yeah. thing, it, you know, is this interview happening or is this just a, <laughs> it's just an imagination in, in your imagination. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there is. A, I mean, you can get really deep into some of these conversations and then start to feel like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like yourself? Do you love yourself? Can you hold on for one moment? I know you're going to edit that. Just one second. Love myself. Is that the question? Yeah. Do you like yourself and do you love yourself? Definitely. That always been the case? Um, I think I've always liked myself. But I don't think I was always loving myself, no. And I think I've come into, you know, I would say just the last few years really understanding the choices that are in alignment with loving myself. You know, I definitely um, can look back and see that I wasn't taking good care of myself, but I think there's definitely things I can, that I, that I need to continue to do right now that I recognize, but I think it's like the awareness of, okay, I see that's not ideal, you know, or healthy or, um, that needs to be shifted. And, but I, and then I'm, then I want to shift it because I do love myself and want to love myself well and care for myself well now. Um, but I don't know that that was, I think that, you know, because of how I was raised and the abuse I experienced, I, I, I didn't feel valued or, you know, there wasn't a, a, I didn't feel valued or loved. And I, so therefore I didn't know how to love myself. Hmm. Um, but I do think I've always liked myself. I mean, I, I don't ever remember a time like not liking myself, but I think there's a difference between liking and loving for sure. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's, and it can be, it's, 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 it's always a challenging question for people. You know, it's, um, it just depends where people are at in their journey. Right. You know, and what's going on. There was, um, you know, back to like the spiritual thing when I, I had an accountant once and every time I talked to him, you know, he, I would ask, how are you? I'm like, fantastic. I am fantastic. And, you know, and it was very genuine. I mean, every time I talked to him, he was fantastic. I'm like, <laughs> okay, Richard, let me just, it was like, we became friends. I'm like, let me just ask you a question. I'm like, how is it you're always fantastic? And, and uh, he's spiritual. Like when you ask about, he was, I would say he's definitely in the more spiritual pathway than a religious one for sure. And he's like, well, I believe the spirit of God lives in me. And He's the great I am. So it's true. Whenever I say I am fantastic, that's true. Like the Richard part of me 
maybe things aren't fantastic, but the truth is I am fantastic and the spirit of God lives in me. And so that's true. And, and so I thought I th- that, that really, for me was a conversation. I was like, that's, that's really, that's really powerful. Just knowing that and accepting it, I think is, is bound to be huge, right? Mm-hmm. Just unwavering belief. Right. It's kind of getting your human side in alignment with that, you know, mm. like really. And in fact, in the Hoffman process, they talked a lot about that too, like your spirit self, like allowing your spirit self to mentor, maybe. I mean, that wasn't the word they used, but your body, your physical self, your emotional self, and your intellect self, like kind of allowing that part of yourself to kind of lay over those other parts of yourself and really kind of tap into how is that part of you doing? Mm. And that was a very powerful experience like to, you know, they had us do some things where you could act, like go, go to a place in your mind where you were really like, they talk about patterns. Like you have these patterns emotionally and things that you do that are um, learned that are from others or, what, or experiences, but then you have a way of responding and it's a pattern. And so go to a pattern or a place and a memory where you were really like in one of the, like I, I, one of my patterns was shutting down and shutting other people out, you know, just be kind of self-reliant and, and so, you know, go to that place where you, you could sense that you started to shut down, shut other people out. Like in my mind, I go there, feel the emotion. And then they had us take on, like, how does your body physically respond? Like, you know, like what, if you're like this or, you know, like just take on that, like physical representation of that. Like, how do you respond when you're in that pattern and then feel that feeling emotionally inside of you very strong. And so, <clears throat> so they had us do that. And then so this was like a guided, you know, process where your eyes are closed and you're, you know, kind of going through this. And so you get to that place and then you, you know, you're, you're in that feeling, you're feeling that then, then they transition you into your spirit self and they have you move your body into more of a spirit self. And you, and you imagine like opening up and, and it was incredible to be taken through a process where you can emotionally feel you can create a feeling, an intense feeling by a memory and then live and feel that intense feeling in, inside of your body and then switch it by getting into your spirit self and like changing your body position, like taking yourself, you know, and, and imagination wise through kind of that mentoring of the spirit self with that pattern self that's like dealing with it and how they're dealing with it. It's like really powerful. And it was like, and then you could totally change the feeling and like teaching us that, you know, how we have the power to do that. So next time you find yourself in that pattern, how you can actually like change, like recognize the physical position your body's in, consciously choose to change it, take yourself in, you know, in your imagination to that spirit self and minister, so to speak, to you know, is, is that making any sense? It was, it was very powerful mm. and a really incredible thing to learn to do. I forgot that- the question you asked me, like how I got to that, but something <laughs> triggered that memory to, to share what, 
it was in response to the last question you asked me, but I don't recall what it was. Like it's escaping now as well because I'm 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 intrigued by that. Would you be? Do you find the visualization side for yourself? Is that is that a is that a strong place to go to? Is that something you know one of your core skills? Do you think? I I've had to work at that. Like it's not necessarily a natural thing. Hmm. I think I am definitely more auditory. Um, like if I listen to something, so if I listen to somebody guide me there, I think that is the easier path for me than me to just like visualize. But I know the power of like, I have a, you know, the, that as part of like a morning routine is to, you know, look at my vision board and like visualize my, use my imagination because I know that's the way to change, you know, taking in like my conscious mind and creating that and like getting my subconscious mind to like be in agreement. And then it, you know, it's transferred into your body through expression and then things start to shift. I know that's the truth. And that, that, so I tap into doing it, but it's not, it's harder for me. There's more effort for me to like really create those images. Like I'm, I'm not able to just like see it so fast. I have to actually like really work a little bit harder. I feel at that mm-hmm. than maybe some others do. So I don't know that I'm naturally bent to do that, but I practice it. It's like a practice. So I've gotten better at it, but um, I do have to put effort into it. Kind of like breathing. Like I used to have to really breathe, like I had to really focus on breathing, but now finally after several years, now I can just breathe without any resistance, but it wasn't like that initially. It was hard. It was hard, you know, to like switch that pattern that, you know, just breathing from the neck up. It was really hard to, it's like exercise. I've suddenly become very aware of my own breathing. <laughs> it's really interesting when you start mm. to pay attention to that. Like breath is it's huge. It's the it's the gateway to, I believe. Mm. Like, it's curious because the, 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 you use a lot of kinesthetic language, and then when you're talking about the future. It's visual language, and then taking on board there, you described as auditory, which you're sort of preferred. So it's an interesting changes of the senses for for different things. Is that something you're aware of, or no? I actually, that's a, I mean, I think that to intellectually that makes sense because you know, kinesthetically, I'm here in the present, so I'm feeling it and experiencing it. And one thing I've been really working on is being fully present. Mm-hmm. you know in this exact moment because this moment is all we have and that one was gone now this is all we have you know just like really becoming really present mm-hmm. and the future is just something out there it's that's i think and so in my mind intellectually you just have to visualize what it is because it's not really here mm-hmm. i mean in your imagination you could create the feelings of what it would feel like and you know then it's just getting time to catch up with it like we talked about earlier. Mm. Um, and my fastest auditory is my fastest, like that um, that's what gets me places quicker, quickest is, is auditory for sure. Mm. I learn fastest that way. I'm guided easily that way. Like I can, if, you, if somebody does like a guided 
I can go there really quickly. Like I can lock in fast. So that's, I think my natural one. I don't know why that is, but I think that that's an interesting observation mm. that you shared. Even as you do that, your eyes are dark enough, which is interesting. So you're obviously it's triggering the visualization side of it. Mm -hmm. So I'm very curious. Do you think there's more after this? And do you think there was something before this? For sure. I mean, like existence-wise? Mm. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, we've sure. been oh, here yeah. before. Will you be back again? I don't want to come back here again. I think whatever is next, <laughs> I'm working to go and not repeat this round. Um, you know, that's an interesting one. You know, as a Christian, like we're taught, like reincarnation is not um, real or true. There's so many people that I've been having shared and talked to, to me and, and just talking about, you know, everything in like nature, everything is reincarnating. You know, it's so interesting. Like, I still don't know really where I stand on all that because it's been so many years being taught that's not true. But then you look at nature and you look, there's just so many things that I wonder, you know, makes me, it does, it has gotten me to a place of wondering. I'll say that. Mm. Is it true? Um, but I do believe that this body, this physical body is just a, a vessel and a shell for the spirit and the spirit continues on. I think we definitely, I believe that um, people, you know, that we are, I believe that we are eternal and that we go forward and mm. definitely believe that. Do you think in, in general, do people get you? I believe so. I mean, <clears throat> I think that's an interesting question. I think that depending on the level of the relationship, you know, the access that you, that I might give somebody of, of me is pretty, I would say it's pretty, I'm pretty, maybe more deeper than sometimes I, I hear others people say to me. Um, maybe from their own perspective that I don't need to share as much or be as open, but I guess I'm comfortable with that. I'm comfortable being open. So I tend to be really open, but there's certainly parts of me that are only shared like the intimacy only shared with, you know, super close people in my life. But I would say in general, I'm, really comfortable being open about this is me this is hmm. what i feel and care about makes sense and tell me what are, you, what are you really good at and what are you terrible at i'm good at coaching and building communities and teaching others about speaking and asking questions i love to get to know people and ask questions, deep questions, and really connect authentically with people. I'm terrible at delegation. Like, so like I have this, I, like I can, I can, I'm terrible at, at the moment right now. This is something I'm working on 
allowing myself to be overscheduled and slowing down enough to, to be able to delegate more because having so many businesses, there's a lot more I need to be offloading from myself. And so it's like that catch 22. I need to slow down enough to delegate. And so I, I, so I think there's some things in there that I'm, I'm not, I'm not doing well. Um, as far as that piece and I'm like, uh, I would say I'm more of like the CEO for sure. Like culture, people, numbers. Like I love that. Operations, the day-to-day minutiae, it totally drains me. Mm. So. Do you prefer to create or fix? Create. Mm -hmm. But there is this um, mechanic part of me that I do like, like I, I like to identify the thing that needs to be fixed, but I like to go fix it. I, I'm like a mind map where I can see everything and put things together and say, these are the things that need to be done, but I don't like to be the one to go do it. I don't like operations. That's like something I'm not, it drains me. Like I can, but, but create like being the creator and the CEO that totally energizes me. Like there's two different, Hmm. energies behind that like one is like insanely energizing like i could do it all day long <laughs> the other one is like oh my gosh i i it just can suck the life out of me like i can't i get like i can't stand this like there's like that that super you know big divide that is very clear when people speak, do you do you are you able to are you creatively visualizing mind mapping blueprinting? You yes. know, is that just that's a process Natural. that just kicks in straight away? Straight away, like, and I and I enjoy it very much, and hmm. so that's where the coaching, like, I feel like that's where it allows me to be very good at coaching and identifying. Like, I see a lot of entrepreneurs; their businesses look like Swiss cheese, you know, holes everywhere. So I can identify what those are, but that's why I like the coaching side because I don't have to go in and do the operations to fix it. Hmm. Um, you get it. But, but you know how you're talking about self-love? Like hmm. that was like when we were talking about that, like I think the overscheduling, so I have this heart to help others. And like you're talking about being other focused. So I end up getting myself overscheduled hmm. because out of a heart to want to help others, but then I'm not like loving myself well in that process because I'm overscheduled and I'm, I'm, I don't have a lot of enough time for me, you know, for, um, like downtime or, you know, margins and, you know, stuff like that. So that's something that I've been recognizing and working at changing. Mm. I mean, for many, that's, that's a recognition fuel, right? You know, it's, I help others. Therefore I get feedback. I get praise. I get, you know, connection. Well, it's kind of like what you were talking about earlier, you know, like using my gifts to help other people be able to live and you know, there's a a joy and, you know, there's a fulfillment there, Hmm. you know, to see people be able to enjoy what they want to, you know, do with their business and be able to continue to do that and be successful doing it. Like being part of their journey is, is, is enjoyable. 
Hmm. And, and I don't know that it's so much about them saying that to me, like the verbal feedback as much as it's just like, honestly, it's like watching them get to do what they were created to do. Like, that's really like why I was saying like the voice or America's got talent or American Idol, whatever those ones are, we like watching somebody, I, I don't even know those people and I'll bring me to tears. You know, hmm. there's something in there that just like stirs something up in me that it's so beautiful watching somebody do what they were created to do and be able to do it successfully, you know, and, and get success in doing it, have success in doing it. I think that's it. Like the combination of those two things, hmm. watching them do what they were created to do and then, and then ha- watch them be really successful doing it. That's so beautiful to me. It's realization of potential, isn't it? You know, same with kids, yeah. you know, when kids yeah. achieve in whatever way. Yeah. Maybe that's where when you're talking about like the education, I was sharing about the education. Maybe it's that realization of like, here are these people, children being created, right. They're created in here. And we're just like taking the life out of them, you know, teaching them conformity and just memorize that. I mean, it's just, ah, oh, it, it really burdens me, <laughs> but, but being able to like install or deposit or, you know, into them, like all the other stuff that will allow them to a lot sooner in life, you know, as children versus like, you know, going through life and figuring it out much later. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe that's where some of that desire is in me to, to want to do that project and see that happen. There's an expression I particularly like, and, and it, you know, it's multifaceted, you know, it's along the lines of, you know, your voids are your values. And I can see the good and bad side of that, you know, and, and it's always interesting. You know, we quite often, I find we do want to help others similar to what we would have been like, or help a version of ourselves, or, you know, I'm sure you see it within, in terms of when people are speaking, it's quite often they're speaking to a former version of themselves. Absolutely. Like businesses, right? Entrepreneurs tend to, if they want to coach or do something along that line, like they, Mm. they come out of something and they want to help others that are going through that same. I see that for sure. Yeah. 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 And it's like, and I think it's just, it's it's the limits test to test the, the test, the polarity of it. Cause you know, some people are, you know, there's some coaches need coach, there's some counselors need counselor, right. You know, and it's, it's sort of going, have you processed yourself or is this part of the process, you know, and, and there's neither right nor wrong answers. It's just always interesting to see where people are at on their journey. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, um, hmm, it's, 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 yeah, it's intriguing. Thomas, what's a bit of a, a guilty pleasure for you, Jen? The spa. I love going to the spa. I love to find when I travel, I love to find the best spas, try them, experience them, love doing them. The whole works just get in there. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> everything they got. I would like to try it all. I mean, for <laughs> sure, the minimum massage, but I mean, I like all of it. So, and leisure and pleasure for you. What's that? Leisure and pleasure. What would, what does that look like? Um, travel and spending time with the kids. I love to read. Um, I yeah. I love one-on-one conversations with a close friend sitting in a cafe, having a glass of wine or coffee or sitting outside. Um, love doing things like that. Love to be in nature, walk on the beach. Mm. Um, love all of that. Those are all very pleasurable and enjoyable and relaxing and reconnecting for me. Mm. You good about being with yourself? 
yes, I, I enjoy. Mm. I, like I was saying, I need more, more time. <laughs> I'm like really wanting more time like that. Yeah. So tell me if you were to try and describe your fire in the belly in one or two words, what would they be? One or two words. Um, healing love. Wow. Interesting. Mm. So tell us where can people find you, track you down, follow you, hunt you down, stalk you, yeah. any of the above? You can find me at genc360.com. Every you can get my contact info there and connect with me at genc360.com. Cool. Your final message you'd like to leave with the listeners? Final message. Hmm. Love who's ever right in front of you in the moment. Really seek to stay present and be present in the exact moment that you're in and who's ever in front of you. Love them well. Powerful. Mm -hmm. Jenna, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Until the next time. Okay, thanks for your time today. It's great talking with you. Thank you. Well, that was another great episode of Fire in the Belly. You know, this really wouldn't be possible without our great guests taking the time to share their personal journeys. And boy, boy, sometimes it is personal. It's an absolute pleasure to have that and then to hear the journeys that people have been on. We've loads more episodes coming up soon and it's always a pleasure to have guests on. If you do happen to know anyone with true fire in their belly, please reach out to us so we can share their journey, lessons and successes. So all that's left to say is have a great day, live with fire in your belly and be the mightiest version of you.